Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So thank you so much for listening over the last little while. It's a little bit mad out there. Um, I think a lot of people's mental health, a lot of people's fitness and lives in general are a little bit scattered at the minute. Um, so this week's episode is quite a mindful uh, episode and it's someone I used to work with, someone I know. Uh, and it's Laura Farrington who is Irish Yoga Girl on Instagram so for anyone who doesn't know who Laura is Laura is a co-founder of Umbrella Wellness along with her partner George Laura is a fully qualified yoga teacher and has travelled the world learning to do so and is a former PT Uh, having worked many years in the corporate environment uh, they both witnessed the lack of awareness around mental and physical well-being they saw and experienced the effects of not looking after one's mental health all services that Umbrella Wellness provide are tailored to the office environment and they've included clients such as Google, Leinster Rugby, Little, Deloitte and Accenture. Um, and at the minute, I think what Orla is trying to do is she is running a virtual mindfulness class every morning at 8.15 on, on IGTV. So I will put up more details on that uh, for you guys. So hopefully when this is out where you guys will that that will still be going so laura thank you so much for coming on to the podcast no problem happy to be here how are you keeping with the uh the uncertainty of what's going on um i think like everyone i'm a little bit nervous but overall i'm quite good like i'm i feel lucky that i'm not sick i feel lucky that i've no family members that are sick i think that's the most worrying part of this whole thing for everyone um so yeah, business has been interesting, but everyone's healthy at the moment. So um, overall, I'm good. That's good. And I think a lot of people, like the self-employed people, are freaking out a little bit. But I think we do need to kind of make it, maybe take a step back and kind of realize that we, we are healthy and potentially none of our loved ones are um, a little are ill or have the the virus. So I think that's that's important to note from from the off. So I know I've given a brief kind of introduction to yourself and your background, but can you tell us your story, how you kind of got into the world of fitness and yoga uh, and move from all the, the corporate environment? Sure. Um, so I suppose the best place to start is about six or seven years ago. Um, so I worked for a large corporate company. I worked for them in the States, in the UK, and then I did my final year in Dublin. Um, that was, I loved it there actually. I loved being in the corporate world. I liked the security of it all. I had my plan of where I was gonna go in in that company. And then towards the end or towards the end of my time there, I started to feel really stressed, really anxious. And I didn't really know what to do with those feelings, I suppose. I was struggling to sleep. I wasn't eating well. I was drinking way too much wine. Um, all that stuff you do when you're stressed and you don't know what to do with your stress and what I decided to do was take a break so I took a three-month sabbatical which they gave to me um, fully intending on going back I just needed a bit of headspace and I'd never taken a break from work in my life um, so I took three months off in that three months I did my PT course and after the PT course I I thought the PT course would have been enough for me and then I realized I really wanted to explore the world of mental health, self-care and wellness a little bit more and I just on a whim flew off to India and did my yoga teacher training. So I went to a place called Rishikesh in northern India. 
It is a meat-free state. It is an alcohol-free state. I think that was the first time in my life I didn't drink for six weeks. Um, one of the best things I ever did. And it was kind of there it all kicked off. Um, from there, I that's where I met you. We met in FlyFit. Um, I became a PT and started teaching a lot of yoga. Now, in that time, there was another spanner thrown in the works. My dad passed away quite suddenly. So he'd always suffered from mental health issues. And it was a very sudden death. Um, it was very surprising. And he was very young as well. So, again, I think when someone dies, especially tragically, it forces you to look at yourself. You kind of look at life a little bit differently. I was asking myself those big questions like, what am I doing here? What is my purpose? Um, and am I okay? Um, and his death just catapulted me into the world of wellness a little bit more. And that's when I really decided to go fully into the world of yoga, meditation, and mindfulness, um, teaching and largely for myself, it was kind of a healing process for me. So in that world, me and my partner, George, we started the business. Um, now, I'm leaving a load out here in terms of all the work that went into setting it up, but we started Umbrella Wellness. There was a bit of a gap in the market, um, and we just developed these courses that were really popular in companies. I think every company at the moment is doing something in the wellness space. They care about their employees' mental health. Um, also, we're in a time where people have never been as stressed out as they once were because we've got the phones, we've got a million ways to be contacted. Um, so people are looking for ways to help themselves. Um, so we got into it at the right time um, and everything's going great. Really happy in life. I was kind of recovering from uh, the death of my father. This is about four years later. And then we get another spanner in the works. My mom was diagnosed with colon cancer. So she was diagnosed with stage four colon and stage one bone. And at the time, I think I thought she was going to be fine. I really didn't think my thinking was I've already lost one parent. I'm not going to lose another. Like, it's not my turn. That's kind of the way my mind was working. Like, it's someone else's turn. I'm not going to lose both my parents in five years. And then she went through chemo for a year and a half. And last May, June, she passed away. Um, so it's been almost a year now. So yeah, again, another really, really difficult time. And I suppose the reason I'm telling you the more personal details of being stressed out in work, of my mom and my dad, is because it was those times that mindfulness, yoga, meditation, all those kind of healing activities really helped. Um, and yeah, I'm still healing from my mom. It's still um, a daily process. It gets easier with time. I don't know if anyone's ever lost a parent or a loved one. The with time it does get easier uh, but it is such a process it's such a journey and for anyone that's going through it at the moment um, I would definitely recommend if you're struggling to try and look into some of these practices because they do help they've helped me they've saved my life more than once it's interesting that you've spoken about the the bereavements of both your parents and that you've taken something from each incident if you know what I mean and you've applied it to either your business or you've applied it to, I don't know, the, maybe the relationship with George, you've applied it to something in everyday life that's worked for you. We're in very uncertain times at the minute and I think a lot of people are stressed more so than usual because of, as you said, social media, work, everything's kind of can put us in every other direction. 
have you kind of got any of you kind of like top two or three points that you would have on how to kind of maintain your mental health of what's going on at the minute i would say that you need to have a strong morning routine um last week i think it was wednesday we started getting calls and cancellations and in 24 hours our 22 classes were cancelled our 10 events we went from being so busy that we had an intern working with us to help us through all the bookings and organizing to having absolutely nothing on our books and i know that's the same for everyone you know a lot of people are going through this at the moment um and then i woke up on thursday and friday you know, a little bit later than usual, feeling a little bit anxious because I didn't really know what to do with my day. My day didn't have a purpose. Um, and then the following week, I got into my morning routine. So every morning I wake up, um, I keep my phone off an hour after I wake up and I will make my bed, something really tiny. You make your bed, it's the first win of the day. Um, and no matter how bad your day is, no matter how bad uh, it gets, you, when you get back in in the evening, your bed is made. So you still feel like you've got some sense of control um, over the day. It's a small thing, but it does work. Um, I make my bed. I do 10 to 15 reps of something. I will do my gratitude journaling because that just puts me from a negative headspace into a positive one. And I will meditate. So I will just do five minutes of meditation. Um, I go through phases with meditation. Sometimes I will do... 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. Largely, I'll do five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. And do you do box breathing or what type of meditation do you do? I do a lot of box breath. I love the box breath. I think it's really easy to do. Um, I will do box breath. I will do what's called transcendental meditation. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. That is a mantra-based meditation. And you just sit in silence and say this word over and over in your head for supposed to be 20 minutes in the morning and the evening um i tend to do 10 and 10 but that one i find really really focusing so i'll do mantra or, or sorry i'll do mantra or i'll do the box breath um both are brilliant guided meditation you know the apps like headspace and calm love them but i can't stay focused i don't know if there's music or the person speaking my mind will it'll wander so i need something i need like a strong meditation um where I can't lose my train of thought on what I'm doing. I'm like you with the with the guy from Headspace, the, the person who talks in Headspace. I just can't listen to him. There's nothing against him, but Australia dude. Yeah, I just can't listen to him. I used to, I did it for probably about three or four months, and then just kind of gave it a break for like three months, and then came back into it. But after that, when I came back into it, I just pardon the pun. I don't think I was in the Headspace to listen to him. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm the same. The lady from Cam reminds me of this girl I used to go drinking with when I lived in New York. So every time she speaks, I I just think of those times that I was out drinking and it's not very good. That's not great if you want to be mindful. Yeah, I'm like, oh, do you remember that time we were on Fifth <laughs> Avenue and we were so drunk? <laughs> so I can't do Cam. Um, but yeah, I need like, just like with exercise, I think I just need a bit more of a aggressive approach even when it comes to mindfulness so that's why mindfulness people tend to think it's like airy fairy or marshmallow land like you're not really doing anything but there's so many ways to breathe there's so many ways to meditate and be mindful and you can be aggressive with it if that's what you need if you're a type a personality um you can have that approach or you can be very very gentle it's it's totally up to you 
I'm delighted you mentioned the making the bed thing because I think that's one of those things that I think like the most successful people in the world do the first thing in the morning is that they make their bed in the morning and as you said it is the first big win but one of the things you mentioned there was regarding the journaling the gratitude journaling or any journaling I'm a huge advocate of it I do it every evening before I get, the last thing I do before I go to sleep is literally write three positive three positive affirmations and that's the last thing I, that goes into my brain then lights off eyes closed um, why do you think it works so well and how has it benefited you so the gratitude journaling is simply it just makes me feel a little bit more joyful um my gratitude journal is quite detailed so i'll say three things that i'm grateful for so that affirmation i am grateful for and then i'll always answer a detailed question like on tuesday one of the questions was it was really thought-provoking um what are you grateful for from a bad situation that happened? And I was just thinking of the situation that we're all in at the moment. Like, you know, I went from having loads of work to no work. And I was like, how am I supposed to be grateful for that? Like, I was sitting there thinking, racking my brain. And because I knew something would come. And then, of course, I started doing the mindful mornings. And I was like, oh, I have this amazing community that I wouldn't have had if this had happened. I have these brilliant people that I'm able to help and they're helping me um, and it just opened up a whole new kind of world for me um, and I'm so happy I have it so there's a positive out of a negative sometimes it takes a while sometimes you're sitting there and you do have to really dig deep um, to figure out what you're grateful for in certain things but when you find it it's really really powerful um, and then journaling by itself I use that in times of when I need a little bit extra therapy. So like when my parents passed, when I was stressed out in work, I would just dump all my thoughts on a page, good, bad, negative, whatever they were. And for me, that was a real release. Um, me and my friend used to, when something was really bothering us, my yoga friend, uh, she's amazing, but we would write all our stuff down and then we would go and burn it and throw it away. And it was just this kind of ritual of letting go. And um, I think journaling is really, really powerful, especially if you're going through a tough time. It's really important, I think. For me, it's like even if you, it is the simplest thing that can be the most powerful, like even if it's just writing, I have my health. And that's one of those big things that is happening at the minute. Some people are a little bit unwell from what's going around and fingers crossed it ends soon but it is one of those simple things it doesn't have to be one of these like I hit a PB in the gym or I don't know you could have met someone on a night out or one of those or one, something simple as that but I think that's a, a massive thing you were lit, you were recently on TV uh, yes. do, <laughs> doing the puppy yoga where, yes. where did the idea come from and how did that whole thing come about the puppy yoga dog yoga that that kind of came about by accident so that started in and that was so much fun actually um we do a bit of work with the dogs trust so we do yoga classes and pilates classes and talks and stuff for their employees and they suggested for world mental health day that we come in do a yoga class for the employees and also bring the puppies in because what dogs trust do is they allow the puppies to socialize it's good for them to be around humans around other dogs so that when they go into the real world or get adopted they're not you know very shy and scared so we did a class in there um they took up a couple of pictures it was very you know it was very relaxed they took a couple of pictures sent it to some media people and those pictures then got in the front of like every newspaper for world mental health day um and then from there, the Ireland AM picked it up 
and it was International Yoga Day, I think about three weeks ago, and they brought us on for a live segment, and live TV, I tell you right now, is terrifying, uh, especially with dogs and puppies and stuff like that, um, but it was great fun. I had a packet of ham, like, behind me, <laughs> um, so that's why they kept coming back, um, and one of the dogs, I'm not, I'm not going to say what one of the dogs did, but they did do, they had an accident as the TV was live. Um, so we did our segment. The dog, it was actually my dog, Lily, had a bit of an accident. You have 30 seconds to get out of there. And then they brought the models on and there was still remnants of the smell and the accident that had happened. So never work with dogs or children. That's literally what I was going to say. That's literally all, all the, the, the celebrities and stuff like that when they're going on TV, it's the first thing they say is don't work with yeah, dogs. Now I understand why it's stressful because you just don't know what they're going to do. Just bring on packs of ham. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll all be fine with a pack of ham. Exactly, yeah. Um, one of the things that you've done quite a lot, which I think a lot of people need to do for their own mental health, is you take little breaks between off social media what's yeah, the longest break you've taken off it and what have you learned from doing it so i have turned my social media off instagram is my main problem i've turned that off for about five or six days um i regularly turn it off at the weekends I try and treat it like, you know, because we're in the fitness and wellness industry, I try and treat it as part of my job. Um, what I've learned from it is that I go through phases with this, but that it's made me like less intelligent at times. I'm not saying I'm intelligent, but like it's made me dumber. So I read less when I'm on social media a lot. I'm more distracted. Uh, it gives me anxiety. I find that I'm like sometimes looking at people's pages, getting, comparing myself, getting stressed out and stuff like that. And I think, I think I do that unconsciously. I like to say I don't do it, but I definitely do it. Um, when I turn it off, I get a sense of relief. Um, I'm definitely more involved with what I'm doing. Like my partner, George, will always, and he'll warn me, he would be like, you, you need to turn off your phone. You're completely distracted and you're not present um so what i've learned from turning it off is that it's just better for everyone so what i do now is i have a um i had this app i can't remember the name of it i deleted it about two months ago but it it gave me an hour on social media a day and then it would switch me off so it was like you have an hour to play with this app um, and then it's going to switch off and that was amazing because then when i went on i was actually putting up either good content or I was looking at stuff I needed to look at as opposed to mindlessly um, flicking through Instagram so without it I'm less anxious like that's the main thing it gives me anxiety without it I'm less anxious which is huge it's 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 so mad how one app has so much control over people's day-to-day -day routine mm -hmm. and like the I think what the app that I've used is I think it's called a usage timer I think it is oh yes or else there's another one that is a little bit more extreme but I think you have to give a certain usage of your phone that if you go over say 30 minutes of using one of the apps that you've you've said to restrict it will literally lock the app and you cannot touch it but I know with, with some of the apps you can override your use yes um, um, it is can. I had an app like that I think it was called Moment and it will be like oh you've been on Instagram for four and a half hours and I'd be like okay cool I'm going to keep going <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, but like it's 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 mad like it is difficult I know it's we can both of us can use the excuse of it's our job on social media but yeah. we're lying to ourselves we're lying to you right now on the on the podcast it's it's difficult and like it's so easy to even plug it up to the, the two screens that I have here um, to even like even when I was doing the research for the podcast today was there was messages and notifications coming up on my screen from Instagram and it's very distracting when your eyes are getting left so right and center but one of the things I've tried to do now is when you have that feed um, not your actual feed but I, I can't I'm going to show my age here but the actual feed where it kind of shows your interests you can alter that uh, so I think Paul Dermody has been on the podcast and he's spoken about it that he only has like say the best goals by Lionel Messi or puppies or some funny memes that's all he has he won't have any like bodybuilders that's going to cause him body body dysmorphia body composition um, or anything like that so there is a setting in on Instagram that you can tweak that so you're going to say only funny memes um, I don't know whatever you want but it, it, it definitely has changed the, the way a lot of people do it but I don't think enough people want to do it because even if you're having a conversation with your mates how often do so does someone reach for their phone and end up just scrolling aimlessly, not even listening? They're not even there, as George says to you. Yeah, you're like, not present. I'm better, but and I now notice it in other people. But when he would be talking to me, and I'd be looking at him, and then I would pick up my phone, and he would point it out to me the whole time. He was like, "It's the rudest thing," and I'm like, "I'm so sorry." Like if someone did that to me, it would drive me insane. Um, but I didn't even realize I was doing it. I couldn't it's literally habit it's so weird yeah it's, it's and it's a bad habit it's a really bad habit um but i'll turn my phone off now i'll keep it off in the morning um for as long as i can well i'm doing the mindful mornings at the moment but i'll turn it off after i've finished and um, but i'll turn my phone off about two hours before i go to bed otherwise i can't sleep um yeah it's uh, that's what like that's why or that's the same with kind of if you've got your emails on or your whatsapp on or you're, you've got two biz or a company phone and your personal phone and you've checked an email from someone at work and you want to deal with it then and there and mm -hmm. if you can't deal with it then and there it's on your head it's in your head and you can't really deal with it so um it's mad how much social media has an impact over us but it has been the reason why you are or part of the reason why you, where your business is as well you can't all it's oh, not all negative but it's it, been amazing it's been amazing for business like that's the flip side isn't it i think we all talk really negatively about it and it gives us anxiety and it's stressful and body dysmorphia and we're all comparing ourselves but it's been fantastic for business it's even been fantastic this week for me to be able to launch something really positive so fast it's mad and i i i still find it bonkers and if my aunties or uncle ask me what i do i can't explain it no <laughs> It's just easier to say I'm still doing face to face. It's just easier. Yeah. Um, so you've talked about kind of like social media, but the importance of downtime as well. Like you've alluded to there, like kind of two hours in the evening before you go to sleep, you turn off your phone. Um, the importance of downtime for mental health is one of those things now that I think a lot of people are going to have potentially a little bit of downtime, a little bit more time with their own thoughts, which I think a lot of people, a lot of people are scared of being with their own thoughts. Um, I think that's why a lot of people don't do solo traveling and all that kind of stuff. Have you kind of got any tips or anything like that to kind of to kind of get used to that side of things? I would say like everyone should have a meditation practice. Um, 
just to probably explain a little bit about meditation and a little bit about me. I'm a really normal person. I'm not this yogi that, you know, floats around and is really, you know, um, different or I, I haven't, I don't know an answer to something. Laura's normal. I can, I can yeah, confirm I'm that. a normal person that works normally and um, does all the normal stuff. And what I found with meditation is especially when you start so meditation is there to calm your mind it's there to slow down your thoughts and calm your mind it's also there to refuel your mind so all day long we're looking at social media we're looking at our laptops we're talking to people that's all energy being used and that meditative practice is refuel giving your mind a chance to be silent um when you start meditation, so when I first started it, I was like, this practice is making me worse. I'm thinking more negative than I've ever thought in my life. Um, I'm bored of it. I don't know what I'm doing. What is the breath? What is all this hooky kooky stuff? Um, the more I did it, the more I began to realize, and for anyone that's going to start or is thinking about starting or is going through what I went through, is to understand that it's not making you think more negatively. It's not making you think more thoughts. What's happening is it's just highlighting what's going on. It's making you more aware. All that stuff is there. All those thoughts are there. Um, that negativity, that sadness, that happiness, whatever it is, meditation just highlights it because it's silencing you for a minute. Um, and when you're truly silent, stuff starts to come through. And the important thing to do is let it come through because it's not going to go anywhere. If you've been through stuff in your life, any kind of trauma, any kind of sadness, that's sitting somewhere in your body. Um, and through meditation, you are letting that flow through you. And it will be hard in the beginning, but in the end, you're going to be a much calmer person that enjoys their own space and time. And how do you, do you, like when you start to think and you kind of sit there and you let your own thoughts come in, there are bound to be negative thoughts coming into your head. How how do you deal how do you deal with them? Because I think that's the bit that people get caught up on. That they're like, Oh, these should be all mindful, positive, hippie vibes that should be coming in. But it in reality at the beginning and probably for the majority of it is the negative stuff does come into your head. Majority is fear based, majority is negative. Like I still get thoughts of what you know why me? Why are both my parents passed? Like, this feels unfair. You get all those, we all have our own story, right? We all have our own thing. Like, it's unfair that I'm self-employed and I'm making no money, or it's unfair that I work for a big company and I have to sit at home all day. You know, my parents are sick. You know, we all have our story. Um, dealing with the negativity is just something that we all have to do, but I think what happens is when you don't realize that you're negative or those thoughts are there, they come out in different ways. So, I can see from friends or family or whoever it is that maybe they could do it a bit of meditation um, because they're holding so much in. There's that tension that people have. Uh, the negativity, you just have to accept, you know, I'm in a negative space or I was very upset that this happened. Um, write it down, journal it, and then try and let it go. There is going to be a point where maybe it'll require therapy. Like, I have reached points in my life where I've had to go, I'll be meditating, I'll be journaling, and I'll go, okay, do you know what? This needs a bit of therapy. It needs a bit of extra help. Day-to-day, um, -day when life is going normally, meditation will solve it. Journaling, gratitudes will solve it. Uh, there are points that therapy will help you a little bit more, um, especially if you've gone through maybe something that is a little extra. Um, 
what you know we all go through death so that's inevitable um i went through it a lot younger um than other people so i needed a bit of help navigating that because none of my friends had lost their parents no one knew what to do with me um i didn't know what to do in this time i felt very alone so that's when a therapist came in now because now we're all 32 33 if someone's parents were to pass a lot of us have been through that now so we know how to help each other and navigate it um we know the process of grief and i understand it now probably more than anyone um so it's different now when my mom passed i didn't actually really need therapy i understood that i was grieving and this is all part of the process um but there will be times in your life maybe where to have the awareness that you need a bit of extra help i think that is the most important thing that you can get from any of this mindfulness stuff um and you think about mental health and mental illness they're two very different things so your mental health is like your physical health so we're very familiar you know at the start of the week how many workouts are you going to do um you know what are you putting into your body nutritionally that's your physical health your mental health is the same how do you wake up in the morning are you taking a break from your phone do you make your bed do you meditate that's your mental health mental illness is a little deeper than that it might be an anxiety disorder it might require medication it might require different types of therapies um so they're two separate things um but you think of your mental health on a daily basis i would think yeah it's important to identify which type you do have because there are two different severities there are the ones that need medication it's important to reach out to those that are and try not to get your advice over social media actually go to actual physical human and go and get help if you are if you feel it's a little bit overwhelming it's it it can i know from doing it myself it is a little bit it can be a little bit daunting the first session and then i I love it now i love therapy now but at the beginning i it was it was you're vulnerable right yeah because i found when when i first started doing it i was sitting on the couch like this or like all tense but now it's just kind of like now it's just kind of more of a chat, a little bit more laid back. You kind of know what to expect. But what I found from it, though, is if it's an hour-long session, you'll feel you're only hitting a, a groove when you're about 45 minutes in, and then you've got, like, 15 minutes. And, and it like, goes so fast. It's mad. And, like, the stuff that comes into your head or the stuff, the little... Like, they'll only ask maybe two or three questions throughout. But the stuff they yeah. get you to say is just mad. And I always go in and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say this week. I have nothing to say. Everything's fine. And then I sit down and she's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not okay. And I'll start crying. And then we'll talk for 40 minutes. Um, it's mad. It's it's mad what, what what's kind of said in those four walls doesn't really leave. It's, it's, it's a mental concept, which I think a lot of us are scared of. I really think, I'm, like, in my heart of hearts, I believe everyone should be experiencing therapy at one stage in their life you don't have to have lost both your parents like i was anxious before that just in my job you know and therapy i was in cbt therapy um that was the most life-changing six weeks in therapy i've ever had because she taught me what stress was anxiety was she taught me how to manage it uh she taught me that the reason i'm reacting the way i'm reacting is due to things that happened in my childhood um you know i was able to get into a healthy relationship after therapy for six months um because i was again understanding certain things or certain core beliefs that i had that i didn't even realize and they seem so obvious now um but no matter how good your family is or 
you know, anything is, we all have symptoms of stress and anxiety and things we want to get off our chest. And I don't think it's any harm in everyone experimenting with a little bit of therapy. It's, do you know what? I love, I skip there every day. Now. No, I don't go every day, but I skip there whenever I do go. Um, but I, the, the bit, like, sometimes we blow, we blow things out of proportion. We all do in our heads. But when you go to either talk to one of your friends or your inner circle, which I speak about a lot, they'll literally be straight laced. It's like the like the therapist. They will literally put it down in layman's terms, saying, "Why are you freaking out about this? Why are you letting these thoughts manifest into these massive, massive things when there's such a simple solution?" I know that that's what therapy does for me. I always think everything I catastrophize things. Yeah, I'm a catastrophizer. Uh, that's one thing I learned in therapy. She was like, "You're you're blowing this up." And I'll go in there and I'll speak about something and she'll be like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's not that bad. And she was like, no, you're just making, you're really being hard on yourself. And I think we're all very hard on ourselves. But um, yeah. I'm so guilty of that. That's my biggest downfall. Yeah, I'm always so hard on myself. I'm always like, even this morning after I did a session, I was like, oh, do you know, that wasn't perfect. I'm not happy. I said M too much. And, uh, you know, then I did a bit of meditation and a bit of journaling and I was like, it's, it's all fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you still did it. So that's the, that's the important thing. Exactly. Uh, so a lot of people like, so for whoever doesn't know, but Laura was taught me how to teach yoga. Don't please don't hold that against her. And <laughs> people in Fly Fit, please don't hold that against her or me. So a lot of people would say that yoga isn't for them how do you not that you have to change everyone or convert everyone to be a yogi or a yoga star or whatever it is but how what would you say to someone that feels that yoga is a bit too airy fairy wishy-washy mumbo jumbo what i would say to them is you need to find the right instructor or an instructor that you like and you need to find the right style of yoga that you like so there's nine different styles of yoga there's nine um, there's so many different ways to do one style of yoga. So there's actually like a hundred styles of yoga. There's so many different ways you can teach a class. Um, and every person is quite different. Like I'd be quite a strong teacher. You have people that are very gentle. Um, you need to experiment with all the different styles of yoga. Like yoga isn't for certain people. It's for everyone. Um, and that's something that I think we need to wrap our heads around yoga is about the body and the breath we all have a body and we all breathe so i mean i don't it, it is for everyone um it's a very calming but can be a very you know intense session as well it can get i was at my fittest when i did so much yoga i was doing headstands handstands backbends and all that kind of stuff um so i would just say it's about finding the right teacher and the right style for you and what would you look for in a teacher me personally, I would look for someone that's really practical. Um, I never got into the real, like I'm a person, you know, I came from the corporate world. I'm not going to be doing two hours of meditation every day. Um, I'm not going to be doing a three hour yoga session every other day. I'm someone that wants to get in and out in like 50 minutes, five minutes of breath work at the end and in the morning, something that I can incorporate into my daily life. So I'd be looking for someone that's quite practical, quite clear. Um, and actually not too airy-fairy. And I so appreciate the the amazing instructors out there and the language that they use. Um, it's not for me. 
but everyone has their place in this world of yoga or fitness. Um, sure, it's the same in the fitness world. It's all about, like, if you get a PT or you go to a fitness class, it's really about you enjoying that trainer yep. and that person. It is, because that's the bit I always found, though. If you were talking to people after classes and stuff like that, they would ask, like, when's your next class? Or they'd be like, I don't want to go to his or her class. It's it's mad how different people attach different feelings to or different emotions or different attachments to different people and different styles of coaching. I've done the whole the yoga teachers that are a little bit more airy-fairy. Yeah. And then I've had the kind of the regimented yoga teachers. Yeah. I would probably lean towards the more from corporate environment as well. It's probably kind of a little bit three quarters the way towards the more hardlined one. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. The other one has its place, it's particularly if you are going, if you are super, super stressed, the, the kind of the more airy fairy ones are awesome. And like, you know, when I was grieving and going through a hard time and very vulnerable, the kind of more nurturing teachers I loved, I wanted to go in, I want someone to wrap their arms around me and tell me to roll around and love myself and hug myself and cry if I wanted to. And that had its place for me at a certain time. Um, it's the same. It's the same for fitness. You know yourself, you get clients that come in and be like, I don't like fitness. And like, what does that even mean? I don't like yoga. There's so fitness is walking, it's swimming, it's running, it's lifting weights, it's going to an F45 class, it's going to a yoga class, it's doing a hot rower. Like there's so many facets of fitness. You will find something you like. You just have to keep looking. And that's it. And that's it. I'm delighted you said that because I think a lot of people like if you don't like fitness, well, like exactly what you said, what is fitness to you? Like you don't enjoy moving. Well, you move every single day. It's just finding the right movement that are working for you, whether it be CrossFit. Like you've come from F45 background as well. You've come from that kind of style of training. Uh, there's the bodybuilding style of training that's out there. There's hit sessions as well, which there's a lot of home workouts going out there. And you can, al- you can already see the arguments that are being put up on social media from different PTs saying this is the wrong way, this is the right way about how to train. And you're like, like that's their that's the PT's egos that are are speaking. But if one person from is kind of getting any attachment to that person's workout that they posted up on social media, well, that was the whole point of the whole thing. And like for the general public, as long as you're moving, I'm like that's enough for me. At the moment, I'm just trying to do an hour of something every day: Pilates, yoga, going for a walk with the dogs. I'm still moving. I'm still keeping healthy. Um, I think that's really all most of us can give and you need to enjoy it like you need to enjoy it like some days I don't want to do yoga I'm like I'm not in the headspace for this today I'm not forcing myself to do it either so I'm going to get outside with my Fitbit on and go for a really brisk walk and listen to my music and um, that's what I want to do today so you have to kind of listen to yourself as well I think yeah I think sometimes we have to be a little bit uncomfortable to get comfortable as well though yeah um, I can't even remember who said that quote but it's definitely resonating with me I think the person that's in my head is kind of like Jay Alderson Jay Alderson will go into the cold sea or the cold water every single day the first thing in the morning and I'm like I need to get better at that stuff I, I, just, I just don't I just don't like the water but that's that's a that's and as I'm saying this is a, that's a self-limiting belief I, it is and I just I just it's from an attachment from when I was a kid and I just don't like it and like all my mates are like Christmas Day and stuff like that. You see all the mates jumping into the water, and I'd be like holding back, and then eventually the two of the lads would just dunk me in. Yeah, 
yeah i'm a bit similar now with the cold water it gives me it gives me a fright but that fright is good for you <laughs> yeah it is it, it, like it's but when you do it it's like when you do a class or your hard intensity class or you go for a run or you go for a walk you feel amazing afterwards that's the thing but and you, then that feeling gets addictive it's that endorphin hit yeah well i remember when i did my first f45 class and f45 is a 45 minute high intensity class during it i i honestly thought i was gonna die i was so out of breath i was so dizzy and after it i've never felt as good as i did after it and i was addicted from then on i still am i still love it like i'm devastated they're they're close at the moment i think everyone's devastated if they they had a if they had a you know gym practice every day it's, it's hard to not have that um but yeah it's that high you get from working hard pushing yourself um it's an addictive high and i suppose it's a good addiction you know people it say it's so bad people are overtraining but like i suppose it's better than alcohol or other more detrimental addictions you know yeah i think everything in moderation i keep saying it but like people seem to go for extremes are easy moderation is difficult with everyone these days and it's a little bit it's a little bit scary um you posted up a quote from a previous guest Sinead Hegarty um it's not what happens to us what that defines us it's how we respond to it it's what we learn from those events that shape the person you will become we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier on um but why like I know why you probably resonated with it that quote in particular but how do you think other people could resonate with that because I think everyone has things that have gone on in their life which we've, we've, we've spoken about um, and everyone has different attachments to those things and that everyone handles things differently but why do you think that kind of people or that quote I looked at Sinead's when she posted that up and I got a stupid amount of likes it's just bonkers yeah. um, why do you think so many people kind of honed in on that one quote because I think, you know, as you reach a certain age, haven't we all been through something and had to handle a situation that was unpleasant um, and that was out of our control? Like, that quote is so relevant at the moment. But, I mean, you can go as bit, as small as in a, in a dispute with a friend. Like, how do you handle that? Do you get onto that person and attack them and send them vicious messages and you know bitch about them to everyone or do you sit back and hold your tongue and, and behave and behave in a manner that's a little more mindful or you know you could have the other extreme a parent is passing away whatever that extreme is and how do you handle those situations do you do you survive and thrive or do you let that situation knock you down like after my dad i I was knocked for nine months and then I woke up one day and I was like, I'm getting back out there. I'm learning from this. I'm going to make my life because he didn't have a very happy life. So in all that reflection, I woke up one day and was like, I want to have a happy life. I'm going to go out there and make a happy life for myself. You know, what do I want to do with my life? Um, and job in situations, not just to survive, but to thrive, as I was saying. So you want to, survive tough times but you also want to thrive from them you want to learn from them and um that's what i try and do with all those situations that's why i love that quote as well because it's how you handle things 
Yeah. And people take that the wrong way sometimes. I've heard someone say, you know, I handled the situation, I got on to them, I told them they were wrong, I told them this, that, and the other, and that's really just your ego coming out and your need to be right. Um, handling a situation in a grown-up way, if you want to say, you know, kids, like, go straight back at each other and sometimes will physically hit each other. And You watch all these shows, like Geordie Shore and stuff like that. Like, they have that kid mentality with the way they handle situations. Um, but how do you thrive from a situation even the worst situation in the whole world in your life, um, I think will really is the measure of a person. Big time. Um, as this is kind of coming, the next, the last question is kind of coming from both your PT background and your yoga teaching background about how you fuel your body and how can it have an impact on kind of your mood, your energy levels and everything really and um, with people being at home now it can be quite easy to reach for the massive tub of ben and jerry's mm-hmm. it can be quite easy to reach for the full bag of doritos like there's nothing wrong with those foods in moderation but we shouldn't be just sitting there reaching for these to kind of almost fill a void how would you like what would be your be advi- what would your advice be on the situation I've always kind of lived by this, uh, but have your treat days. Um, like Friday night for me, I'll eat something delicious, whatever it is. I think I'm going to get a takeaway or something. I'll do the, probably the same on Sunday because it's the weekend. And then like Monday right through, I'll be quite strict. Um, when you're working, especially when you're working from home, I think it's so important to be fueling correctly. Um, and a really easy, and you probably know, know this from your PT or um, your nutrition background is supplements are amazing. Like if I get up and uh, by supplements, I mean like if you can take a wheatgrass shot in the morning, if you can take lemon water, um, I take a probiotic in the morning, I have like a little supplement regime and that just really sets me up for the day. I don't really get mad cravings um, once I've had all my supplements and maybe a protein shake or something in the morning. My day stays pretty stagnant in terms of my food because i'm not once i'm hungry or starving or craving something then i'll reach for a bag of crisps and that's never good because it starts to get a little messy after that um but once i start again going back to that morning routine once i start my day strong mentally and then a strong breakfast and all my um supplements and nutrients and those little things then i'm pretty set for the day but if i forget to do all that kind of stuff I'll be eating cakes and ice cream. I'm one of those people. I'll be eating Ben and Jerry's for sure. So I just need to be really strict to myself with my morning routine um, and what I'm putting into my body first thing because that kind of has a trickle-on effect throughout the day. Yeah, I think if you like, if you start off the day right, or you or you have a rough plan of what's gonna what's going into your body for the day, like the meal prep thing, like you're not gonna have meal prep on all the time, but if you can control what's going into your body on your lunches at work that's five day. that's five meals out of the whatever number of meals you have every day it depends what your goal is and stuff like that but one thing that i try to do is i have two squares of dark chocolate on my porridge every morning oh but nice that's my endorphin hit in the morning yeah. i have a very sweet tooth so i could eat chocolate all day <laughs> i wouldn't I rec- eat jellies all day jellies are my thing literally chocolate magnums ice cream all day uh, decadent yeah uh, so I try to include it first thing in the morning so my brain is like right that's been hit 
my stomach has been like right that's been hit and that sets me up for the day it's like you with the vitamins mine's slightly different having chocolate but it's the same thing like i take the vitamin d or omega-3 would be the vitamins i would take um but like it's just important to kind of plan out your food control what's going into your mouth because uh, i know when i eat like crap and eat less nutritious food and more processed food my stomach it gets bloated you feel like yeah. crap your energy levels are just like you just feel like blur um and then that affects your mental health the days that I know I haven't eaten well are the days I feel like rubbish. I haven't got enough water into my body. It'll affect my sleep if I've eaten, had this big pile of food before I've gone to to bed and stuff like that. And that imp impacts you onto the next day. So if you can kind of nip it in the bud each day, it's makes your life so much easier. Um, and I'm not saying to be chicken and broccoli, chicken and broccoli uh people no I, I cannot do that i don't i don't i personally don't agree with it i personally don't i bodybuilders do it i know bodybuilders and they do it but for me it just doesn't sit right i've done it and i can tell you i fucking hated every minute of it yeah and i just like that food makes me sad i'm like this is so sad i'm eating this chicken and broccoli for my dinner and i'm obsessed and what is life and i start to ask those big questions like what's my purpose why am i eating this so my food needs to be in some way interesting like chicken and broccoli maybe some mash and a bit of pepper sauce i'm happy with that yeah um, for chicken and broccoli for the sake of abs it's not worth it um, no it's not no one ever sees them in ireland anyway we're all cold here all the time exactly um so laura what is coming up next for you i know there was big plans and stuff like that but a certain virus is lurking what's coming up yeah, so look, the business is on hold um, in terms of physical classes. Uh, we're at the moment trying to get everyone onto a um, virtual system called Zoom. So if you're a corporate out there and you are looking for virtual classes, we're delivering them in Pilates, yoga, um, mindfulness, mobility, and what's the other one? Hit classes as well. Um, so we have all that set up. So if you're in HR and you want to find out more information, just let me know. And I also have a free mindfulness morning running every morning at quarter past eight on Instagram TV. This will run from quarter past eight till about 8.30, 8.40, depends on the morning. And we're really getting going with it now. We're going to have loads of different speakers on it, loads of different topics. And we'll be doing some yoga. We'll be doing some meditation. And um, so this is a great time to really start to get into all that stuff while you're at home while you have the time unless you don't have to go to a studio you can sit in your kitchen in your private space no one will be looking at you and um have a really nice morning it's such a positive start to the day so please log on to that if you want to experience it you can find it on my instagram there's a couple of irish yoga girls so my one is irish underscore yoga underscore girl it's laura farrington just to make life very complicated there <laughs> I'm going to put all those details on and the biggest thing that I, I, I logged into the one this morning on the IGTV and it's only 15 or 20 minutes and it's not like it's in the middle of the day. It's when you're probably just got up or about to get up and it sets you up for the day. Like I feel so much better from doing like for 15 or 20 minutes and it's it's mad. I, I, I wanted to do it just because I knew Laura was coming on today. So I'd highly recommend doing that. I'll put up Laura's details if any people in HR or any corporates or anything like that want to contact Laura and George for to get her in. I'd highly recommend it from per from someone that's been in Laura's classes. Uh, I highly recommend her. 
Um, and Laura, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Sure. Thank you for having me.